Woohoo! Yes, I'm heading to the beach for just a couple of weeks, but I, I wouldn't want to leave you hanging. So welcome to this three-episode ESG takeover of the Give First podcast. You know, here at Techstars, we believe Give First and ESG go hand in hand because ESG is directly related to how companies impact the world. What the heck is ESG? Well, if you don't know, it's an acronym for Environment, Social, and Corporate Governance. It stands for the three main standards by which a company could be measured to determine its impact on the world. And being proactive about ESG risks and opportunities helps founders make their companies more resilient and create longer-term value in any type of economic conditions. So in this three-episode series focused on ESG, Dr. Mary Jane Fox, who helps lead ESG here at Techstars, will interview founders and industry experts to uncover actionable ESG practices for founders like you to apply to their early stage companies. So stay tuned. Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Oh, man. You guys, I'm really bummed. This is the third and final for now ESG Takeover episode with Mary Jane. It's been awesome. Not just because the interviews have been so great and I've learned so much, but because... Well, I've been on the beach the whole time, so I'm looking forward to getting back some new episodes starting next time. But this time, in the third and final episode of the ESG Takeover, Mary Jane is going to talk with Becca Quirks of B-Lab and Will Foyles, the COO and co-founder of Project Canary. So you're going to learn what it means to be a B Corp, just like Techstars is, and how much time it really takes you as a startup to do it. And you're going to hear from a Techstars founder about whether or not it was worth it. Welcome, Becca from B-Lab. So what is a B Corp and what is it not? Simply put, a B Corp is a certification for responsible businesses. It's like other certifications, fair trade or organic, but it's for a whole business. That means it looks into every aspect of how a business operates, both in its structure, but also in its environmental practices and also in how it treats its workers. It is not a legal status. That is what a public benefit corporation is. They are quite similar. However, it is a certification in its own right, and it needs to be recertified or upped every three years. So why become a B Corp? Founders are thinking about investors, customers, employees. Will it help them with any of those audiences? What benefits are there to being part of the B Corp community? So short answer is yes, that becoming a B Corp does help founders when they're thinking about their investors, their customers, and employees. Very simply put, it is a great tool for any company owner, whether you're a founder, whether you're a CEO, to start to create a framework of how do you create impactful business changes? How do you 
create a business structure that is not just for profit and profit only, but is considering all of your stakeholders. So that is one huge benefit for founders. And that is very applicable to every different aspect of the business, whether that's speaking about your employees, so your marketing team being able to be really focused in on what it is that your company stands for, or your HR team understanding what are the policies that we need to embed to replicate this purpose that we stay that we stand for, or even your customer service reps to be able to speak to not just here's the outcome that we need to have, but here's an outcome that represents us as a company and what we stand for. So there's a way in which it is embedded very easily for workers. And so that's very beneficial for founders. Of course, that's then easier replicated and spoken to for the customer base to understand, hey, this company stands for these things. And here's how they're not just saying they do it, but here's how it's embedded in every aspect of their business. Or investors, when they start to think about long-term sustainable business growth, inherently becoming a B corporation forces a founder to look at not just what are we accomplishing today, but what are we working to accomplish? The structure of the B Corp certification is that it looks at your past year of operations, but also what have you done since your last certification? And also, sidebar, every three years, the certification gets more rigorous. So every three years, if you're not improving these impact performances, then you're not going to be able to keep up. So it helps orient a founder to this longer term improvement growth mindset. And that is very appealing for investors to understand that this is how rigorous it is for a founder to undertake and also how deeply entrenched their purpose is. So for some other founders, they may actually find that the benefit of being part of the community or having certified is the thought leadership, maybe from fellow B corporations that they are automatically able to have these more easy conversations, recognizing that they are coming from the same point of view and they have this very much common goal of improving what business looks like. So it might be that that access to the thought leadership of their fellow B corporations is enticing to them, or it may be being associated with the movement that is standing up and saying that business practices as they stand cannot continue and are not good enough. That could entice people and you could feel a sense of camaraderie being a part of the community around that. Or a benefit of being part of the community, and I'm biased in this part of it because this is more of where my work focuses, is the benefit to your employees. As a founder, when you have your company go through the certification process, there is a lot of learnings that come from it. But in addition to those learnings, once you join the community, your employees have access to so much education and so many counterparts that are doing similar work to them and are trying to make purpose central to all that they do. So that's a huge benefit that I see of joining the community is being able to have all of your teams, whether it's only one other person or two other people, be able to engage with someone else and say, how are you approaching this? Can you help me? The community is almost like a family, especially in the U.S. Canadian region. We make sure that we're bringing people together to share ideas and think about what does this look like, not only from this quarter, but What are we going to do in two years' time to add on to this program we're running? It really orients your employees to having thought partners themselves, but also orienting them towards this future-term growth and ever-impact improvement. We actually see lots of interest from our Techstars portfolio companies in becoming B Corps, but many founders are concerned that it's not possible for smaller startups. So 
How do you become a B Corp as an early stage startup? What do you do? How much time should it take? It's a great question. And we also hear people saying similar things that it's a lot of time or this isn't made for me as a startup or I'll get to this later. I hear that last one a lot. And one of the major benefits of becoming a certified B Corporation is that you are given a roadmap of how to build your company from the ground up with purpose embedded into it. So you even think about what sort of suppliers would I want to be working on that are aligned with these values? It gives you the ability to really think longer term about the company that you want to build rather than having to build something and then when you want to embed impact, try and recreate things. It's almost a bigger headache when you worry about it further down the line. And I think that's one of the biggest benefits to starting this process earlier. But there is no denying that it is time intensive. There is an aspect of there's so many questions that you have to think through. But I think it's a great exercise in even thinking about some of the strategy that you start to invent. The timing will look very different depending on the company, how long you've been in operation, and how many people you have on your team. And yes, maybe some of the questions don't apply to you, but the standards management team has been great about embedding more of these gating questions into the assessment itself. So hopefully you don't have to answer too many questions that don't apply to your business. There is a program called Pending B. For companies that are under 12 months of operations, you still have to go through the assessment. But the idea is that once you hit... 12 marks, then you go through the full verification process, which is the most time intensive part of the whole process. So the pending B is a way for a startup to engage, fill in the assessment, get that roadmap out in front of them, understand if it is the most aligned with how you want to be building out your company. And then at that 12 month mark, embed on the formal process, being able to then report back on your last 12 months of operations. As a founder, you can create a profile yourself. You could even create a pretend profile, which is just a blank profile that you maybe want to fill in later. But anyone's able to go and create a profile just to check out the questions. And you're able to identify what type of business you are so that that makes sure you get into the right track for your business to complete the certification process. There are going to be around 200 questions. And again, there are gating questions, so you may not have access to all of them, but you'll start to see the exact flow of each of the questions. And within that, there will be five impact areas. So governance is one of the first ones. It's how did you structure your company? This is a great thought process for a lot of new founders as well to start to think about what do we have in order and when do we need to create formal policies for it? You have a section for your customers. Do you give your customers the ability to give back by working directly with you as either your business service or your product? Another section is community. How do you work with your local community? How do you give back? How do you hire locally? Another section is workers. How do you support your workers? Where are your workers? How are they reporting on their interaction engagement with you? What are you paying them? What's the biggest pay difference between your highest paid employee and your lowest paid employee? And the last but not least, certainly not least, is the environment section. And that is probably the most intensive section of the whole assessment, asking you all the way from your scope one to scope three emissions, all about the different ways in which you're trying to mitigate your environmental impact. 
those are some of the questions that you will have to start to answer, the themes of the questions that you will have to start to answer. And most of these questions, the vast majority of these questions are around operations. And then there are also what we called impact business models. And actually, while these can be quite confusing, I find this to be an amazing tool for founders of new companies to think, how could I embed a different impact business model in my company? And these are actually some of the most weighted in terms of points within the assessment. So if you as a startup founder are able to embed this from the onset, you are set up for much greater success to being able to pass the threshold of an 80 point mark to become a certified B corporation. So it's another great benefit as a founder to really starting this assessment process earlier rather than later. So there are over 5,000 B Corps globally now. And this movement is growing at a pace that we never would have expected. Every year it's growing even faster. Within the U.S. Canada, there's 1,800 B Corps. And we thought that, in fact, through the pandemic, we might see a dip off in interest because of just the business world and the state of the world in general. But we actually saw an even greater increase than we've ever seen in years prior to companies wanting to certify and submitting their assessments. The movement is growing at a really exciting rate, and we're so excited to see how it continues to grow. So for example, Techstars is even set to recertify next year. And this is a really exciting point for any company to start to prepare for the recertification, start to see where the standards are since their last certification, and start to outline where have they made the most impact internally through the programs that they've been running, but also to be able to benchmark that to the assessment and see how that compares to that of other companies and other B corporations. And so this is one of the most beautiful things for me about the B Corp certification. It is a commitment to ever improvement. It's not a check mark or a program run or a marketing campaign done. It is a way of doing business that says, yes, I'm a part of a movement that is proving that business can and should be better and that I am a business that is committed to continuing that journey. And so that's one of the most beautiful things about being a B Corp and why I'm probably most proud to work within the B Corp community. So great to hear from Becca, Senior Community Engagement Manager at B-Lab, about what it means for companies to become a B Corp. But now let's hear from a Techstars founder who has done this with their company. Will, COO of Project Canary, will give us a glimpse from the founder perspective about certifying as a B Corp. Will, before we jump into the ESG practice of being a B Corp, tell us about what Project Canary does. Yeah, Project Canary is a climate tech analytics company focused on accurate corporate climate ESG data for emissions-intensive industries. We're leaders of holistic environmental assessments for air, water, land, and community. We score responsible operations, delivering independent emissions profiles via high-fidelity continuous monitoring technology to provide actionable environmental performance data. What does this mean to unpack it? We actually measure greenhouse gases where the status quo has been to estimate them. What we know just about public literature, science, a lot of these estimates are not accurate. So we're out there driving at the truth across a variety of vectors, nothing more than emissions, things like methane and CO2 and nitrous oxide. Cool. And how's it going for y'all doing all that? Oh my God. It has been a crazy ride to say the least. It's hectic. Honestly, at the beginning, people said to us, so wait a second, you want people to pay you to generate data that shows that they may have higher emissions than they've been telling to their investors? And we said, yes, 
They said, this sounds like a horrible idea. And you have hardware? Okay, you got to get out of my office. So it's been a hectic ride, but I think really it's it's creating value propositions for the companies to, to access capital markets because a lot of folks in the public square are very doubtful of claims that companies are making. That doesn't mean that the companies are not telling the truth, but some are and some are not. And how do you separate that to allow the performers to unlock the benefits that positive environmental stewardship has? How's fundraising going for you? Great. Honestly, we just recently, a few months ago, closed at $111 million Series B, uh, led by Insight Partners, also CPPIB, the Canadian Pension Fund is in the round, and then Brookfield as well. And it was also supported by our Series A investors, Energy Impact Partners, and Quantum, who led our Series A. With that in mind, I wanted to ask, why did you decide to become a B Corp? Yeah, again, another really good question. Some people scratch their head. First of all, they're mystified by it. We decided to be a big corp because our triple bottom line ethos means that Project Canary is committed to people, planet, and profit. And when I say that, it's really important to understand that back to what I, my original point, you're out there trying to generate accurate data that sometimes the people who are paying you may be like, mm, they may ask you questions. And if you can set your true north as a company, really on the sites of like, yes, we are going to have to make money because we are a for-profit business. But at the same time, if we go too far in that pursuit, we will drive the bus over the cliff. And so I find it very challenging to be B Corp in some ways, but it also is insulating, right? Meaning that like, shit, it's this other thing for us to keep in mind when we're out there performing business on a day-to-day basis that you can't just go hog wild and try to give people the answer that they may want. You have to stay focused on the honest truth. And it really is a, is a check on that every single day. What was the process like to become one? It is quite a bit of work. They at B-Labs are very thorough. I remember they were asking all sorts of questions where I was like, wait, what? Really? And this was early days where we had like, I don't know, six of us. We were filling out all this information, putting together documents, all sorts of requests. Like they are thorough. They ask things that you may not have thought about. But I actually think that's one of the things that is super helpful for things that you just assume on a day-to-day basis. But like it brings us to the top, like, differential between the highest paid person and your lowest paid person. That delta is one of the metrics as it relates to to the people and culture among many, many others. But it causes you to sit there and think of like, that is important, right? Like being in the boat as much as you can be with everybody else. It really helps instill this culture as well. And you combine that with something like Techstars, Give First. It is a nice mashup together. And again, it's a lot to balance. But I think that balance is something that our society needs a lot right now. So you talked about balance as a potential benefit for your company of being a B Corp. So this idea of balancing, what have been any other potential benefits you've seen? Branding. So employees, right? So for us, they see us working with these very intense industries, emissions intensive or hazardous air pollutants and and helping them understand that we're not just here to give people the, the answer that they want. Like, this is empirical data. This is science. Like, we are after the truth. And by the way, that truth is really going to propel a solution to the problem much faster. Because right now, everything being obscured and one side saying that this is the number, another side saying that's the number, we're there as the referee. 
So I would say talent. I would say in a unique way, capital as well, right? It really brings out that you are committed to this as a cause, not just a, oh, we're in it to make a ton of money. So it's just another layer of meaning if things don't go well in any given quarter, any given month, like this team is going to stick around because they truly believe in the mission. That's my viewpoint, at least. I'm sure there's some investors who are scratching their head, like what the hell is this B Corp stuff? But at the end of the day, I think it's just another layer of passion that it brings into the equation. Do you feel like you've got to talk about that when you've been talking to investors? Does B Corp come up? It does. Some of them, they get what it is. Some of them, it's very new. And they're like, wait, is this a nonprofit entity? I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, this is real. But again, it, it really draws out, I think, a very helpful conversation. It comes up a lot in the hiring process as well. Again, that, that's one of the areas that I think it's really helped us a lot is, is, is recruiting talent. And especially at a startup, like, let's be honest, people can go work for a huge tech company or they can come for you. Like, you got to have something compelling. Sure, you offer options in terms of equity and things like that that has a whole bunch of upside. But man, that's risky. And what you come to see is like people are coming to work for you because they believe in the mission. And this is one way to really solidify that we uh, collectively as a group believe in the mission. Do you think that if you were starting over the beginning of this B Corp process, is there any advice you wish that you had gotten to help founders that are at maybe considering becoming a B Corp, what, what it's like to actually do the work to become one? I would say read up on some of this stuff early. So you have an idea of like what they're looking for. There's things, and again, this is helpful. Like I won't even say they're late because again, we were small, but when we started it, but there, there was some stuff where we had already implemented things, hadn't thought about things, hadn't collected data. And so we had to go back and get that data because it was important for the B Corp process. If we would have known that ahead of time, it would just been another box or two to fill out on our onboarding documentation when a new employee comes in or something that we ask our customers or just something that we track. A lot of it is just getting your hands on the right data. It would also have made upkeep easier. So I would say read up on it beforehand. Also, how you're going to message it, right? In the earliest of the early days, like we knew what we were doing, but some people would see it on our website. And I don't think our answer was super crisp. I mean, for me, it never is crisp, but Chris is better than me. But it, my, my point is that there are certain things to look into. And then last, like, think about if it's really right for you. It's okay. Like, it doesn't mean that you're an awful or unethical person if you don't want to go through this. Like, there's a lot of stuff to do in any given day. And so I think it's something to really think about. Is this the right pursuit? Is this really one of the main reasons that you're, you're starting and running this company? Thank you, Will. I think that was so beneficial. I hope that founders got to hear some inspiration and some practicality in what you said. Thanks for talking to us. Cool. Thank you. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First. <laughs>